Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm -hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached. When I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom, I went, oh. and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 474, a hodgepodge of turkey talk with Chad Claycomb. And I am your co-host and the guy who has already notched a tag and I'm your co-host and the guy whose dog has his ears pierced. Oh, crap. What happened? <laughs> we had a knockdown drag out with a raccoon today. Mm. And it is just amazing. It always amazes me how tough those little critters are. Oh, yeah, man. I've got on one in one corner, I had the 85 pound yellow lab. And in the other corner, I have, you know, what, 14 pound raccoon. Yep. And it was a t- it was pretty darn close fight, man. When wow. the bell went off, it was a knockdown drag out. And unlucky for the raccoon, there was a little interference by a human being with a giant log, or it would have been even closer. So Yeah. I let him tug at it for a while because I couldn't swing without, you know, potentially hitting my dog and finally he kind of pinned him and his head was 
available, so I waxed him with the log, and that finished things pretty quick. Yeah. But he's got some bloody ears, got a torn eyebrow, and anyway, he's pretty beat up. He ought to sleep good tonight. Man. He yeah. loves nothing more than to drag out a coon. I mean, he found it was a hollow log, and two coons were denned up inside of it, and he went crawling up in the log all i could see is the tail and then i hear the coon squalling and here he comes back and out of the log holding the raccoon and <laughs> it was wild then the second one comes running out my golden retriever like ran next to that one just like it was his new buddy yeah <laughs> I he didn't get hold of that one and then then he came back after the second one ran off and watched mac and this one going at it the gold retriever never even thought hey i should help he just like he's like man that looks intense i'm gonna hang out here no he was sitting there going come on raccoon come on raccoon yeah i want to be number one at home yeah oh me but anyway so that was interesting for sure and I think he'll be all right. I put, did put a bunch of rubbing alcohol on his wounds to, you know, maybe keep infection out. Yeah. And I would imagine he's up to date on his vaccinations. So he's probably good. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Hope so. <laughs> You'll find out. Yeah. I'll let y'all know if next week I'm the guy whose dog is foaming at the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, do you want to tell everyone about our texan experience i think what i want to do is get jason justin barnes jason justin jason justin barnes and dale gia on an episode with us yeah probably should pretty soon probably should those are our two winners i think that'd be that would be good so i got a tag notched first one for the year 2024 and that was good. And I'm going to say this. I know a lot of you guys have questions about the hunt. And I would, too, if I were in your shoes. And I'm going to say that the hunt was not without struggles, like many hunts are. And so if you would like to know more about the hunt, you're welcome to email me, Andy, at IamTurkeyHunting.com or Cameron, Cameron.Weddington at gmail.com. And we'll be glad to let you know about the experience that we had. So I could say this very confidently, very comfortably. I enjoyed the company of you and Dale and Jason, Justin Barnes. Oh man. Had a that's cool time. Fact. We, we made two new friends, got to meet two more awesome Turkey hunters, you know, and we ate really good. It was a blast hanging out with those guys. Yeah. And wish them the best for this turkey season for sure. It, it was awesome meeting them. And we look forward to telling y'all about the donation we're about to be able to make. I think uh, I, I'm pretty excited about the donations we're about to make. And speaking of that, you know, definitely email us if you have any questions about our February hunt we just went over so we can tell you about it. But turkeys for tomorrow, our first banquet or we called it conservation dinner and gun bash was this past weekend. And it was, we nailed it, man. It was awesome. Talk to me goose. I think we had about 240 in attendance. Plus we almost filled every seat in the place, which was amazing. And we raised a ton of money. (laughs) People came ready to spend. That's great. I knew 
the first call we auctioned off after the first call, I was like, holy cow, this is about to go. And man, it was awesome. We we had some games we played. We had raffles. We had tons of guns we gave away. And it was it was amazing. And then to top it off at the end of the night, the gun of the year came down to two candidates. One was a young boy, maybe 10, 11 years old. And the other one was kind of an older gentleman. And the young boy's just up there like, die like jumping up and down like on his knees begging you know and we drew him out so the older guy won it and mm-hmm. he immediately said give it to the kid oh how cool and so we gave the kid the gun it was amazing so we had an awesome time huge turnout great food great friendship i got to sit and talk with ron jolly pete dougherty and jason lapartis till 3 a.m <laughs> So we had a long turkey talk. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And anyway, it was just an awesome event. So anybody listening to this that showed up, appreciate y'all being there. I mean, I was blown away. I I couldn't believe it for our first conservation dinner and gun bash. And we, my committee, you know, me and you were gone almost all week. The committee members and our wives absolutely saved the day with me being gone. They got everything ready and. We made it happen, man. It was amazing. That's cool. Yeah. So are you guys doing another one next year? You've already got it on the books? Not scheduled yet, but yeah, I think we're definitely going to be doing another one next year. You know, and you learn stuff along the way. So we, one thing I felt smart about doing was we kept a folder at every game, you know, and so we could track what made money and what didn't. Yeah. So now we know what to cut, what to promote. You know, there was one game that probably not even 100 people were in the door and we sold out of tickets. Mm-hmm. We may charge more for that one next year. <laughs> yeah. And then we had other ones that nobody played. So we're not going to do those next year. So yeah. it's a big learning experience, you know, but man, it was fun. I, I just I just was shocked. I couldn't believe how successful it was. I really couldn't. So that, that just goes to show, man, there's so many people wanting to help the wild turkey right now it's amazing it truly is and that's what we did so we we also had the tennessee turkey coordinator was there roger shields really appreciate him being there and him and jason lapartis gave a talk about what's going on with turkeys and how turkeys for tomorrow's getting involved and that was pretty cool so i'll say it was great it was just wonderful so anybody out there looking for advice if you're in a chapter planning to start a chapter or wanting to learn how to start a chapter, you can contact me at the email Andy listed, Cameron.Weddington at gmail.com. And I can tell you kind of how it went for us. You know, that's all I can really relay and what worked, what didn't, and try to help you, help you, you know? Yeah. Do you think it was successful because you were gone the week prior? Oh, it definitely looked better because I was gone because... <laughs> We turned it over to our wives, and man, they had we had flower arrangements with turkey feathers all in them and white table. We set it up really nice because, in my opinion, we only have one chance to make a first impression in the community, you know? Yeah. And so rather than putting – I wanted to put out an event that when people walked in, it was, it was nice. We had Polaris Rangers and four-wheelers parked out front from Bob's house of Honda and I mean, it, it was a cool look when you got there. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I think we did really well in that regard. But well, yes, most definitely. Me being gone was probably the best thing that could have happened. I didn't have any time to screw it up when I got back. 
congratulations on that and you know just to second what Cameron said thank everybody who showed up and supported and you know I get frustrated just like you and probably 80% of the people who listen to this show by just a select few turkey hunters who come in and cut you off at a at a gate to public ground or whatever else <laughs> but I'm going to say those types of hunters are the exception to the rule when it comes to turkeys. There are some great, great individuals call themselves turkey hunters and that support wild turkeys. And so, you know, the fact that they showed up with their wallets in hand and full of cash and ready to spend it and support turkeys just goes to show you the, the caliber of the people that are in this sport for the right reasons. You're dead on, man. It was good stuff. So now we gotta, you know, figure out what we want to put that money towards here in West Tennessee. So already got a couple ideas, and I think what I want to do is kind of create a survey to send out to our Tennessee members and see what the majority of our folks who are members believe we need to do with the money. I feel like if we spend the money on what the majority of people believe we should spend it on, that's what we should do. You know. Yeah, that's predators, habitat management, you know, studying agricultural practices. Just a few examples. I plan to hopefully create like a survey to send out to our members and just kind of get a gauge on what everyone perceives that we need to either study or or put effort into. You know what I think would be a great idea is if you guys spent that money on pin raising wild turkeys and then releasing them into the wild, because that's just proven historically to be a great effective way of restocking the population that's a great idea man the hunting would probably be good for a couple of weeks after release and then it might die off. sounds to be about right <laughs> it'd probably be goblin everywhere right there at the beginning. Yeah, opening day of turkey season just to release them then it'd be like shooting quail out of a box it'd be awesome yeah for tennessee season so we'd cut them loose about june 29th and they'd be ready for opening day <laughs> Sounds good. I, I might even buy an out-of-state license in Tennessee to come up here and hunt that. Yeah, man, what a deal. Well, all right, we'll get off that. We'll get off that before we get in trouble. <laughs> we got Dad Claycomb on here today, and he is a social media and YouTube-type presence with Claycomb Outdoors. He's also a heck of a turkey caller. He was yeah. on the stage in the Grand Nationals. When you and I were there, we went and spoke with him for a little bit and had a great run. I will say I've had several people, without me saying a thing, say, man, Chad's run up there was really good. They were kind of shocked not to see him in the top five. And he's he's got a unique sound to him. Yeah, but he's he's quite the turkey caller. He puts out some content, and he's someone we've never had on the show. He's been doing it a long time. And another one of these guys who's kind of set up his life so that he can turkey hunt yeah, you know, with his job and everything. So we thought he'd make an interesting guest. He was he was a referral from a listener. So keep that in mind. If you ask, ye shall receive. Yeah. And we and, got, I'm going to say more than a couple more of those coming up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you ask for a guest and you're a listener of the show, we do our best to get them. Now, we can't get everybody, you know, but we do our best. <laughs> yeah. And that's all you can do. So, anyway, we got Chad this week, and 
we just kind of kind of have a hodgepodge as the episode's called of conversations about turkeys and turkey hunting with and turkey calling and competitions and everything with chad so why don't we get, hop in here and talk with chad let's do it hey everybody cameron and i are excited to tell you that we have on the phone with us today chad claycom with claycom outdoors and chad likes to run around in the woods with video cameras chasing turkeys and that last part i totally get the chasing turkeys part and the additional challenge of having the video camera with you i don't guess i really understand because i'm only like you know one hunt out of a hundred good enough to kill a turkey without a camera i can only imagine i'd be <laughs> one hunt out of a thousand good enough to kill a turkey with a camera but that's just me that's not chad so i don't recommend it <laughs> <laughs> well we're going to get to pick chad's brain today and so chad thank you for taking time out of your day to come on and talk with us and share some knowledge with us and things like that so first of all how are you doing and secondly tell us where in the world you are well i'm, I'm doing good i can't complain i'm sitting here in my little editing room i guess you'd call it in front of my computer just sitting here in my pajamas because <laughs> i work midnights and it's a long story, but I just got back to work. Literally last night was my first night back after three weeks off. I had an injury. I boogered my hand up pretty bad back in November. Mm. Anyways, my trigger finger, I just smashed it. Oh, no. And, Not uh, the right finger to smash. No. It was literally the last day of archery season here, and I I hunted most of the day that day, and Went into work afterwards, and anyway, to make a long story short, yeah, I, I smashed my finger with a big leaf spring from a truck, and uh, mm. I think I was off work for about, I worked light duty. They they had me on light duty for like 30 days, and then that's all they could do for that, and then put me on workers' comp, and I think I was off, off work for like three and a half weeks, so I'm kind of getting back in the habit of, you know, staying up all night, and sleeping during the day so i'm sitting here in my pajamas <laughs> nice but anyway not well, to ramble i'm yeah. just thankful to still have a finger that's working because i'll tell you i've uh been doing some physical therapy here the last three weeks now and i was in there telling the the therapist you know she was asking me what happened one day and i was pretty much complaining you know about what happened and all my misfortunes and after i get done telling her this there's a guy sitting behind me he's he came in afterwards and he's getting ready to start his physical therapy and here he is over there without a finger so i felt you know pretty grateful to to even have a finger because he kind of went through the same well more traumatic injury but you know mm -hmm. yeah a, a hand injury nonetheless and uh yeah I, I felt pretty grateful to even have a finger sitting there next to him i kind of felt bad yeah yeah I think it's common for us. It's human nature. You know, we we always tend to focus on the bad things going on in our lives and we don't stop a lot of times and put things in perspective. There's always somebody that's got it worse than we do. Yes, you know? sir. No doubt. Yeah. So uh, how yeah. quickly after the accident happened, did your mind think, will this impact my turkey hunting? Uh I was going to say immediately, but I, I'll be honest with you. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big deer hunter, and the first thing I thought about was drawing my bow. 
Ah, okay, okay. Because I, I literally, you know, like I said, I was hunting deer that day, and then, you know, anyway, yeah, I I thought about drawing a bow because I hunt with a traditional bow and shoot with my fingers, and I thought, oh man, I'm hope I can draw a bow again. Yeah, yeah, because that. But I think I'll be all right. I I did draw my bow here a few times in the last couple of weeks, but as far as pulling the trigger, I should be fine. Yeah. Well, and I assume that finger would be if you use a release, wouldn't it? Is that the one you click the release with? I guess you could use your middle yeah. finger. Yeah, but like I said, I, I shoot fingers. Oh, okay. I, I guess I missed that. Yeah. yeah. I'm like that, man, with a lot of stuff where, you know, I'll be doing something and my knee feels like it tweaks a little bit, and I'm like, oh, crap. I'm not going to be able to get up the hills this, this spring. <laughs> Take yeah. it easy. <laughs> Now running a friction call, I don't, I don't know. I, I haven't tried that, so. Well, I bet you yeah, I know, I know that just signing, signing my name on checks or you know filling out any kind of paperwork or something, I, I struggle a little bit with a pencil or a pen. So I'm sure running a friction call is going to be a little bit different for a while. Yeah, I've, I've heard you run a diaphragm call, and might not be any need for you to pick up a friction call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's always a need for that. Yeah. And just the weather, you know, dictates dictates me what I don't run them a lot, but you know, I do run a friction call from time to time when it gets windy or, you know. Do you yeah. do you run or do you run Gulvis like Denny Gulvis's mouth calls? I've been tinkering with them here in the last I don't even know, probably I've been messing with them for a while, probably 6 or 7 years anyway. Okay, because when I watch some of your YouTube videos, the way you were running those calls, you can tell like when Matt Van Sice has one in or you or whoever, like it's a full body deal. It's a big huff of air coming up, you know, like more so than other calls because you got to run them almost totally different from my understanding. I I attempted and am nowhere near getting a good turkey sound out of them, but you can kind of tell that style of call, but it, it has a totally different sound, which I feel like would be advantageous in a lot of cases. Yeah, they're they're really different. I wouldn't say they're all that much different as far as huffing the call. You know, I've always, even when I run a cut call, I huff probably more than most guys. But mm. Yeah, they're, I will say, when, at least when I feel like I'm running them correctly, I feel like I've sounded closer to a real hen than I ever have with any other calls I've run in my life, you know? Yeah. But they are different. I, I really do like them. Yeah, they're different. They're very different because you, you kind of have to unlearn what you've learned on a normal diaphragm in order to get the right sound out of those, I guess. Cause yeah, I, th- I think the biggest hurdle for most guys is, yeah, I mean, even for me, when I first started running them, you know, cause I never ran them growing up or, you know, if, I kind of wish I'd have started out running them, you know, as a kid, but mm, you know, I ran yeah. cut calls all my life and just use a lot more mouth movement, I guess you would say, with those calls. And um, yeah, they're they're just different, you know. Yeah, but they but got the some turkey you get and, out of them. Yeah, right. They they are really realistic. Yeah. Now, are you a competition turkey caller also? Yeah, I dabble in it. I wouldn't say I'm serious into it but i've been doing it a while okay have you i saw i kind of googled you look like you won 
a co- one a couple competitions. Have you have you competed in Nashville ever, or just more so like local type? Comp- oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've I kind of got started late in the Grand National scheme of things, but I mean, I think I started turkey calling back in the nineties. No, I didn't do very much of it back then, but I didn't take it serious until probably 2012. Mm-hmm. And I got qualified for nationals that year and, you know, went down to Nashville in 13. And um, somehow, don't ask me how, but that first year I called down there, I won the prelims and I was just flabbergasted, you know. Nice. <laughs> and anyway, I've been, I've been calling in the grand nationals since then but i did miss about four or five years there once i started this youtube thing back in 18 well i guess it would have been 2019 i was just so busy with all these videos i didn't i didn't want to make the trip down there because i didn't didn't have the time to prepare for it so i missed i think uh from 2019 until last year was the first year i went down since 2019 so yeah it's been a while but uh yeah, I've been dabbling in it for a long time. Yeah. Okay. I kind of figured you had. You had that. You have that sound about you that's a little bit, you know, cut above. Where I'm like, I bet this guy compete. Do you make calls? Yeah. Well, I, I as well. I did. For, yeah. Ever since the '90s, I started building calls. I guess probably in the early '90s, just stretching them on a countertop with some scotch tape and building them by hand that way. And then eventually, I got one of those mad mouth call presses or i forget what the name of them those things were mouth call maker those mad mouth call makers back in the probably mid 90s mm-hmm. built, i built on those things for a good while up until 2012 there when i bought a press yeah and i built calls pretty serious there for several years after i bought that press and um anyways like i said I, the last few years here i've been tinkering around with these Galvis calls and really liking some of the sounds I've been getting out of them. And I haven't built many calls since I started running those actually. Yeah. It's been, it's been two or three years since I've built a call actually. Yeah. Okay. Very well, cool. I guess first, before we get too far into this deal, you want to ask Chad a couple questions? No, I want to <laughs> ask him 30. There you go. So Chad, unfortunately for you, I found the the list of the rapid fire Q and A questions. All right. So, you being a competitive guy, I'm sure you'll want to play along. But typically, what we do with the rapid fire Q and A is a, a set of 30 questions. It's nothing. There's no science. There's no fact or fiction. This is all your preferences about turkeys or turkey hunting. And so, what I do is typically just put a timer on my phone or stopwatch on the phone i'll start the first question and the timer at the same time and we'll run through those as quickly as you can and i'm going to tell you right now you're at an advantage i might be cheating on you a little bit here not cheating on you but helping you cheat a little bit here because i can't find my sheet of all my other questions where i have written down the results of everybody that has played along with this so you probably are going to end up in first place by the time we're through. <laughs> Out of one. <laughs> Out of one. That's that story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to play along, I'll get the clock up here, the stopwatch up, and then we'll 
get rolling with this thing. And the goal is just to answer them as quickly as you can, and we'll roll through them as quick as we can and see what kind of time we come up with. All right, I'll do what I can. Okay. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Grilled. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat with cola or over the water? Water. Number of grand slams? None. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? I have, yes. Have you ever killed a jake? Yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour long hunt with a clean miss on a four-year-old? Two-year-old. Favorite camo pattern? Mossy oak. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Dinner. More or less than five, I'm sorry, more or less than three strikers in your turkey vest? Less. State you killed your first turkey in? Pennsylvania. State you killed your last turkey in? Washington. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Run and gun, no doubt. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight or beads? Holographic. Rubber boots, hiking boots or snake boots? Hiking boots. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Oh boy, West Virginia. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Two. Least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Zero. Out of all the states you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? Oh, boy. Alabama. (laughs) Amen. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Yelp. Hen yelp. On a scale of one to ten, how good of a turkey caller do you think you are? Hmm. I'd say maybe a six and a half, seven. Favorite turkey hunting book? Uh, The Truth by Cuz Strickland. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? The turkeys. Think of the <laughs> toughest turkey you've ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? No. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Spurs. Biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? <laughs> Thinking too much. How long does turkey season last in heaven and what is the bag limit? Oh, there is no limit and lasts forever. Two and three quarter inch, three inch or three and a half inch? Three inch. Fours, fives, sixes, sevens, eights, nines or blended? Nines. Pump, single shot, or automatic? Pump. That is three minutes and 9.72 seconds. That's very strong. Yeah, it's pretty well, good. I got first Even place. If, that's all that matters. Yeah. That's right. Even on the other list, it would be pretty strong. But, man, on this one, you smoked the competition. Yes. Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. There you yeah. go. Well, good so deal. When should I expect my trophy? Uh, Cameron, I was just about to tell him or yeah. ask you if you wanted to tell him what his prize is. Yeah, so this week we're giving away half of the calls Andy got at Unicoi. Woo! So he'll be shipping those to you. All right. I hope you don't mind some used diaphragm calls, Chad. <laughs> hey, I'm they're, always willing to try one. They're lightly used. I'll just, I'll just rinse it off. I'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, put a little yeah. dirt on them. <laughs> I love the Unicoi show, by the way. Oh, man. Fantastic. If you've never been... I can't recommend it enough. It just really is. It's an experience is what it is. And I've heard that if you do plan on going, don't. I know it's a haul for you to get there from PA, but don't just think, well, I'm just spend a few hours in there. Go and soak it all in and enjoy your time with the call makers and ask questions and tell stories and run calls, of course, because that that's the beauty part of of the whole thing but it's it's a good time a really good time yeah i've heard a lot about it never been there but it looks 
pretty neat. Yeah. So, Chad, I was checking out your YouTube channel, Claycomb Outdoors, and it looks like at first, were you just filming turkeys, like audio of turkeys, and like, you know, filming turkeys without actually hunting them? Like several of your videos from about six, seven years ago look like you're just filming turkeys. And then, it, you know, a lot of your more recent ones are actual hunts. Yeah, well, back in the day, I've been I've been videoing turkeys since the mid-90s. So I really got into it. To make a long story short, I, I used to sell DVDs, you know, back in, I don't even remember when YouTube started, but probably... 2010 or 11 I started my channel and uh, a buddy of mine talked me into doing that just as a way to promote my DVDs back then so I was just putting some little Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call them promotional clips on there to promote those DVDs you know but uh, that's how it kind of started out but then years later I think it was 2012 don't ask me what made me start doing this but I just love being around turkeys and hearing them talk. And I just started sneaking into roost sites and crawling up underneath them and taking my camera and just listening to them talk and recording it. And, you know, it's a big learning tool for turkey calling as far as that goes. But I got this idea that one day maybe I could know how I was going to do this. I still don't know the avenue I'd want to take if if I ever did do this because I haven't done anything about it. But I was eventually going to try to put some MP3 files out there to to download online, you know, that were something similar to the the old uh, treetop turkeys and you know those recordings, yeah. those few recordings that were out there on CDs back in the day because I love those things. Yeah, love it, Williams, real turkeys. Right. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how that got started. I went for well. I think I started in 2012 doing that, and I started getting really serious about it there for, well, up until I started this whole YouTube hunting thing, you know, I I quit doing the DVDs and started putting my hunts on YouTube, and once that started, it kind of took my, took all the time I had to do it away, so I kind of just haven't had the time to do it lately, but yeah, those those clips you're seeing of the roost sites, that's that's what those were, just kind of little couple couple minute segments just kind of teasing those and then i just never got around to to making any kind of a downloadable mp3 file but i have probably oh shoot seven or eight years worth of awesome audio just awesome video too is as as far as that goes but yeah i I love doing that i've said it before if, if you told me i wouldn't be able to hunt another day in my life as long as i could do that i'd be a happy guy it's it's unbelievable yeah i know i mean you sound like not quite to where denny gulvis is here he doesn't hunt at all anymore but he does that a ton and yeah sounds similar in that regard not quite to that point yet but uh (laughs) yeah he's he's pretty crazy yeah crazy about turkeys and he's a big influence on me i've i've said it before people have asked me and yeah, I've I got a lot of respect for that guy. Yeah, yeah, we're having him on again, hopefully in two weeks. So we look forward to to that. And yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, he's there's a nobody good dude. in this country that knows more about turkey than that guy. Yeah, his old DVDs, like the Challenging Spring Gobblers DVD, like that is pure gold. Yeah, it I is. Pretty much grew up watching those. I 
I've wore those videos out. Yeah. I have them on VHS from back in the day, you know. So there's I was on Cuz Strickland's podcast there last year and I told him I there's places in those videos like if I pop that VHS into the VCR and try to play it 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 just like it won't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's literally it wore so out. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. With your video and do you still do that? often now like outside of turkey season and then you kind of swap to hunt mode during season i wish i could say i did but no i haven't done it since 19 but i don't know we'll see how things go here i i have so much on my plate here with all these videos to edit still i it just depends on how much i get done here i'd like to try to get back out and start doing that because i really 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 love to do it yeah but yeah i haven't done it since 19 okay what what would you say is the, I guess, the craziest or oddest or most surprising thing that you've gotten on video that a turkey has done? Because, Probably you know, it's like some of the goblin hens. Okay. I don't know if you've yeah. seen any of those, but I have a couple of videos on my channel there where I think there's two or three of them that the goblin hens are probably the probably some of the more rare stuff that that i've ever captured you know it's not something you see every day and to get it on video is you know i knew when i walked out of the woods that day that i had something pretty special yeah yeah that's that's probably something that i would say is that's the rarest thing anyway okay it seems like craziest thing anytime i ever take a video camera out to record a deer hunt or you know any kind of even a squirrel hunt it's like the most boring dull day that i have you know i don't don't even see a mosquito you know that's usually how it goes and then you you figure well heck with it you know i'll just leave it at home and then as soon as you do that you have one of the best days you've ever had yeah you have one fly Mm -hmm. down land on the bill of your hat yeah yeah that's why i always try to force myself to you know just always take it yeah 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 it's a big pain in the butt. I will say that some days it's the last thing I even want to look at when I get out of work and, you know, get in a truck to go somewhere and hit the woods. But it's, a, it's just, I guess, it's just a habit nowadays. I've been doing it so long. So mm-hmm. you work, even in the spring, you're working all night. And then when you leave work, you're headed turkey hunting. Right. Yep. And so I guess most days you're hunting in the morning and then sleeping in the afternoon or you just don't sleep for a couple months <laughs> no i don't sleep much but i do yeah i'll sleep three three four hours probably on average in the afternoons <laughs> that's the whole that's... reason i took this job this shift you know it's just it gives me the ability to get out there every day in the spring and that's that's what i love to do hmm. yeah yeah that's that's pretty interesting i guess you're probably pretty good and alert, you know, instead of that waking up and you're on turkeys within 30 minutes. You've been up for eight hours, so. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> it's, I, my job's pretty physical. I load trucks at UPS, so when I get out of there, sometimes I might get a mile or two down the road and I'm already starting to, my eyes are starting to get heavy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Uh, they you get know, you warmed up for those those mountains you're climbing around there <laughs> yeah do you do you exercise at all in the off season or anything for turkey hunting because you stay pretty trim or is that from yeah, your, I, your I job i try to mm-hmm. it's 
probably a combination of both. I I move around a lot at work. I I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know what to guess as far as how many steps I have, you know, throughout a night at work. But I probably walk several miles before I even hit the woods, you know. Yeah. So it it's kind of hard to keep my weight up actually, especially during turkey season. But yeah, I I try to work out some in the off season. It's not like I'm I'm out there trying to be Hulk Hogan or something, you know. I'm not I just try to stay in shape. Yeah. It's getting harder and harder for me to do though with all this editing. I normally, you know, once June or July would come around after turkey season would end, I would hit the gym and pretty much, you know, three or four days a week I would work out and uh that would last up until the fall season and I'd skip out on the gym for a month or so while hunting season was in and then go back, you know, in the winter there. But yeah, with all these videos that I've been editing the last few years, it's getting harder and harder to to get to the gym. But yeah, yeah, I do try still. Yeah, I think Cameron and I can relate, but I know editing videos a lot more difficult than editing audio because all we have to do is wait on a, a little period of silence, and we can start, you know, pick that as a starting or stopping point and start editing there. But mm-hmm. you've got to try to blend those edits in or do a fade in fade out you know whatever so it yeah, probably probably wouldn't be probably wouldn't be such a a time well i want to say it wouldn't take me so much time probably if i knew what the heck i was doing <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> i've never had any kind of schooling or anything on editing so i just kind of kind of self-taught and watched a lot of YouTube videos trying to figure out how to do this stuff. And, you know, I just, I just know enough to be dangerous at it, to be honest with you. I just do what I can. Yeah. How many cameras you usually carry with you in the morning? You have one big one or, you know, gun cam and all that, you know, stuff. Yeah. I'd, I'd never went that barrel cam thing. I never went that barrel cam route, but I, I carry a couple GoPros and a big camera. Okay. How have, much does uh, that big camera weigh? <laughs> that's a good question. I never I never weighed any of my the gear that I carry, but I've kind of downsized here the last couple of years. I for the longest time, probably 20 20 some years I carried the same tripod which was ridiculously big and heavy. <laughs> it just wore me out. But I I ended up buying a a new tripod here what I think it's 2 years ago. It's a lot smaller, and I wouldn't say a lot smaller, but it's smaller and a lot lighter. It has carbon fiber legs, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what I carry as far as weight-wise when it comes to camera gear, but it's not what it used to be, so I can't complain about that. Yeah. But it is a little bit of a pain in the butt, you know, when you compare to just going out hunting with a shotgun and a mouthy helper and a couple shotgun shells and maybe a knife. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, if I towed a, a extra sandwich or something, I feel like I'm carrying a five pound weight in there. Yeah, and you're you're running mountains, so yeah, I'm sure you can feel it. No doubt. Oh yeah, it's yeah. You know, I'm in my 40s now, so it's it's catching up to me. I will say that. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if it's if it's that or probably that in my work combined, but yeah, I'm starting to get to where I'm having a little bit of back pain and. Neck pain. I, I'm sure the neck pain probably has to do with all that crap hanging off my shoulders. <laughs> yeah. So 
are you releasing your footage from last year right now? Because I know I've seen a couple of videos yeah, just, come out uh, with with a mutual friend that we have who's starring. Yeah, in I just them. started just started putting them out here in the beginning of the year. So I'm trying to release one every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, just so, trying to keep a consistent schedule, you know. I don't know that whole YouTube al- algorithm. I don't wish I could say I could figure it out, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, you said you had not killed a grand slam. Which uh, which birds are you lacking? Osceola and a Rio. Okay. Yeah. So, do you travel and hunt quite a bit, or is it mostly hunting around home there? And you know, you get out of state a little bit. Yeah, I. I mainly stay fairly close to home, but you know I'll take some vacation time and take a trip or two. I live I live in the southwest corner of the state here, so I can I can hit West Virginia and Ohio or Maryland. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm within a a few hours of several states here that I can hunt. But you know, just being just yeah. the fact that I'm working every night and I can only get so far before daylight. From work before daylight, so you know. Don't get me wrong. I love traveling around the turkey hunt, but if I'd be happy if if I could just stay in PA all season. I mean, there's enough public land here in Pennsylvania. There's, you know, we have millions of acres. I can be somewhere different just about every day, and that's I I love going somewhere that I've never been and just trying to figure things out. You know. Yeah, that is a cool that is a cool deal when you show up and you're just walking in the dark and you have no idea where you are and yeah. you know then if you hear one gobble and you get to hunt him it, it's pretty fun on ground you've never been i noticed yeah, i watched it's fun what, traveling around though i will say that i'm i know you guys are chasing your slam and that's an admirable thing to be doing i know that's a heck of a goal i'd love to say that i could someday accomplish that but i know that's pretty much out of the question for me <laughs> <laughs> well not for everybody um you know but I, I did watch some of your videos when you are hunting Merriam's turkeys, and it seemed like to me you almost changed your calling a little bit specific to those Merriam's. It sounded a little more high-pitched. Is that accurate? And I've had a lot of people say that to me, but no, I, I wouldn't say that was the reason I changed it. But, it, I mean, it does help. Just I think that's just the fact that I've gone from running the cut calls that I built myself for years and then go into Denny's calls, which, you know, I okay. I physically try to get that higher tone with his calls. I, I feel like it just sounds more realistic. I mean, I know there's hens out there that don't have that higher pitch like that, but a lot of them do. And just yeah. some of the calls that I've run of his on those videos, you know, they have that higher, they have that tone. Mm-hmm. But no, that's not, that's, that's not the reason that I switched up my calling. It's just the the type of calls I'm running now. Okay. I was I was wondering if you had like a strategy there, but whatever it was seemed to be working. <laughs> yeah, it worked a decent amount anyway. I mean we yeah. we had some luck. Yeah, for sure. When you beautiful place to be, to be hunting turkeys, I can say that anywhere out west like that, that's it's a lot of fun. The sites are just worth it just in itself. Yeah. The places the Merriam's turkeys live is they're they're in pretty places. I'll say that. Yeah. It's a beautiful no bird too. Yeah. 
And I mean, there's a lot of places where Easterns live that are absolutely gorgeous too. I, I'm a flatlander, so I guess I put a lot of stock into mountain type areas, but also nothing, find a lot of beauty. Like and, you're, where are you from, Cameron? You're what? Tennessee I'm in Tennessee. Or? Yeah. The the you flat part. Mountains in Tennessee? No, I actually have not. I've hunted wow. a couple foothills of Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I've climbed some spots uh, that I thought were mountains, but they definitely aren't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is, but to me, there's I just love being in the mountains. I love it. Oh yeah, there's nothing I, nothing like it, if you ask me. I do too. Uh, I like. I feel like my two favorites are in the mountains, like legit mountains, or really swampy bottoms. I love. I think there's a, a second level of beauty to like a big cypress swamp. Yeah, I can and imagine. It, I've just seen some of that stuff on video. I've hunted some swampy stuff in the mountains, but nothing like, you know, what you see maybe in Yeah, river bottoms. Or, right. That looks yeah. pretty awesome. I'd, I'd love to do that one day. Yeah, it it's pretty fun. And there's a whole, like, level to it of, uh, you know, we kind of talking before the show about Onyx or, or mapping, you know, tools on your phone. But when you get in that swamp, there's no topo lines, you know, there's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of yeah. levels the playing field a bit in my mind. Of, yeah. You probably don't, you know, don't know where the water's going to be probably. Exactly. There's, you don't know that slew's there, you know, and that it adds a whole nother level to the chessboard almost. Of, and I love it because you'll sit there and wonder why the heck he's been hung up for an hour. And then you slip up there and you're like, well, heck he's on the other side of this, you know, 10 foot Little wide slew. slew. Yep. Yeah. And you know, he he has wings, but he forgets about it when he's coming to your calling apparently. Mm. And then you cross that slew and you yelp him right up and he comes right in and you kill him. But it it definitely adds another dimension, but man, I I do love the mountains. I love like deep in the woods on the mountain tops. I mean, you just can't beat it. Yeah, to me there's I don't know, there's nothing like I like to hunt with my ears, you know. I don't get me wrong, I've I spent a lot of time because I, I live kind of in the foothills, and, um, you know, there's a lot of fragmented habitat, I guess you'd call it, you know, more, a little bit of farmland and broken up timber and just hilly stuff, you know, but then I can, I can travel up on the mountain, and um, I don't know, to me, there's nothing like just getting out in that big timber and using your ears, you know, that's the only way you're going to find them, really. I mean, you could probably drive for yeah. weeks. And not even see a turkey, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, to me, hunting with my ears, that's that's the way I choose to hunt. I, I just, just the challenge of it, that's what I live for. Yeah. When you're hunting those big woods, mountain areas like that, have you noticed any places in which kind of discern themselves as being more of turkey active woods than others? Because it... Some yeah, of those places, like a national forest up there that's a million acres or even in private land or whatever, if it all looks the same, I feel like a lot of people struggle with figuring out, okay, where do I go? Right. Yeah, you can get in some of these bigger places where it's just, you know, humongous and just it's all mountainous terrain, like big woods, but it's just monotonous, you know. And, um, yeah. you know, to me, that's kind of what motivates me is getting in areas like that and it just 
challenges me to get out and find a turkey in that kind of habitat or that kind of terrain. Like I said, that's just what I live for. But as far as finding turkeys in those kind of areas, I will say that, um, like, I I try to find some of those recent cuts, like the select cuts or clear cuts that are, you know, have more of an open canopy. Any kind of a open canopy, you know, is where you're going to find them in the spring, whether that's a pipeline or right away some kind of power line or any kind of roads you know you might have the most monotonous timber for miles and miles but if you if you study those aerial photos you know you'll find some little little open canopies it may even just be like where they took some timber out and left a uh a log landing you know something like that something just small or a gas well opening you know something those roads that go back into the gas wells any kind of open canopy like that it's Especially the clear cuts, though. I will say the clear cuts is something I try to focus. The, the recent fresh ones, you know, within two or three years old, I yeah. find a lot of birds in the spring. Yeah, I guess looking for anything that diversifies that area against everything else. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because, you know, in those areas where the sunlight hits, you're going to have a lot of regrowth. The vegetation's going to don't take it long to grow up, you know, so after four or five years it might get thicker than heck but those first few years especially those turkeys seem really to really draw to that because there's a lot of regrowth and insects and you know all that stuff that turkeys love and then plus they can get out in the open like that and display and it's where those hens are going to be anyways to to nest so just makes sense yeah so you do travel around a good bit and you hunt primarily public ground yeah and, recently yes I, I will say like the last i didn't it wasn't always that way but i started out hunting that way as a kid you yeah. know coming up i cut my teeth hunting big mountains and public land for the first i don't know five or six years till i was old enough to to get a driver's license and start kind of getting out on my own i started knocking on doors and hunting a little bit of the farmland you know but I did that for probably 10 or 15 years. Once I got into my 30s and now in my 40s, I kind of went back to my roots, I guess you could say, and just started hunting the mountains again pretty much exclusively on public land. I mean, there's, yeah. there's times from time to time I will hunt a little bit of private, but not much. Yeah. Have you kind of got tired of that whole deal, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I always uh, hated kind of having to feel like you had to kiss somebody's butt to go hunt uh, and it's getting yeah. harder and harder to do anymore you know nowadays yeah that is a, a fact the yeah. the days of free permission to turkey hunt on private are pretty slim yeah <laughs> getting harder and harder yeah, yeah it is do you feel like there are that you run into more people on public ground now than you did in the past uh I would say that COVID year for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it seemed to yeah. dwindle down since then. You know, I don't yeah. run into nearly as many, but I don't know. That's a good question. I think I saw somewhere where at least in Pennsylvania here, the hunter numbers are actually I wanna say they're they're going down pretty dramatically. And I don't know if that has to do with just the age of the average hunter, you know, is getting older and older and not able to get out as much or what, but yeah, so Pennsylvania's yeah, down 63,000 total license holders in the past 10 years. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that, but 
Yeah. I knew it was I, down, but I didn't know it was that much. Yeah, I actually did a kind of a little case study to I looked at the U.S. to see where licenses were increasing and decreasing in the past 10 years. And uh, that little area up there, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Maryland, they, those are all kind of decreasing. Meanwhile, in the southeast, we're definitely on the other spectrum. You know, like Georgia's added about half a million hunters. They've more than almost doubled. Yeah, so, I mean, don't get me wrong. Pennsylvania, I, I think at one time we had over... For a long time, I, I remember being a kid. We had over a million licensed hunters. Now, you know, yeah. we didn't all—not all of them—were turkey hunters. I think at one point a lot of deer. we had maybe right. We had probably three or four hundred thousand turkey hunters. But I think even that is down to like maybe two hundred or two fifty now. So, but don't get me wrong, you know, that's still a lot of hunters. But Pennsylvania is a pretty big state. Yeah. Yeah, I do. But even you know, and even when I go out of state and stuff, I I wouldn't say. Yeah, I definitely would say that COVID year there was definitely an uptick, but in the last few years it seems like it's gone back to, I guess normal. you would call it normal. Yeah. 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 And I I think all the stats show that that 2020 year was an outlier. And well, yeah, I mean, nobody had to work. Was, yeah, 2021, you know, the numbers were a little higher as well. Pretty much across yeah, the it was entire U.S. Ridiculous there for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it it really was pretty impressive. So, when you travel, do you or hunt anywhere on public? Are you pretty good on your videos at being discreet as to where you are? Because it's kind of there's several pretty big YouTube channels that make it pretty easy to figure out where they are. Yeah, I I try to. I will say, looking back at some of the stuff, you know, I, I've had some people contact me and say, hey, I know where you were at, you know, but I I try to do the best I can at not showing landmarks and stuff because I'll be the first to tell you I didn't do the best job, you know, the first couple years I did it. But, mm. you know, I I don't know. You might watch, you know, if you're from that area, you might see some things you might recognize, but I try to do the best I can at not showing any of those, those landmarks and stuff. Yeah. I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, you know, in the early years of doing this show, you know, I would name States or even management areas or national forests that I hunted on that kind of thing. And it just got to where, you know, I kind of felt like more and more people were, pursuing wild turkeys and more and more people were looking for the easy way out mm-hmm. instead of going and doing their own homework and you know so I've, I've stopped doing that Cameron and I neither one of us you know do really even name a state and I don't necessarily have an issue with naming a state specifically as much as I do you know saying oh well I was at XYZ WMA and hunted the north end of that thing and <laughs> <laughs> You know, right. near yeah, a little I town never, called never Yeehaw. And, yeah. And there was 10 birds gobbling in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't even get me started on that crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of selfish people that do that, too, because especially out-of-state hunters who do that to another person's WMA or something, because there might be several local people who hunt that spot. And right. in my mind, it, granted, yeah, it's public. It's all of our property. But still you kind of just screwed all those people that hunt there if you do that 
because you went and had success once. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to, I do the best I can with, you know, I might name the state in a video just because I feel like that helps with the, uh, the search terms on you. You know, if somebody wants to watch a YouTube video, you know, say they're going on a trip out West, they might look up some hunts from the state that they're wanting to go to. So I will name a state, but that's as far as I'll go, you know? And like I said, I, tr- I try to do my best at not showing any kind of landmarks and stuff yeah. like that to where it's recognizable. And I feel like I've done a lot better job of that these last couple of years than I did in the very beginning. But even back then, I don't think I showed too, too much. Yeah. 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 It got to where I guess. So on this show specifically, like we'll share audio from out of state hunts and it just kind of like at one point, Andy and I discussed, you know, if we share audio and there's one turkey gobbling and we do the hunt and we're like, this is the only bird we heard for five days, you know, in X state, then we basically just told people not to hunt X state. And then if we come back the next week and we have one with 25 goblin turkeys, we're like, man, this is the first flock we were on that day. We killed six in two days in Y state. Then everyone who just heard that's probably putting Y state on, on the board. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing though. Some people watch some of my videos anyway. They probably they're like, man, I do not want to freaking hunt where he's at. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's how he he hurt, you he can influence it both in ways. Five days. Yeah, yeah, because you do day by day, yeah. no matter what happens, right? I like that. Yeah, I, I try to show. I try to do it to where it's not so boring, you know. But I do want to try to show that you know all the struggles that I go through to to find a turkey to eventually even have an encounter, you know? So I just try to show all the ups and downs of a, you know, a real turkey season. What yeah, I think a lot of people relate to. It's just yeah. the way I hunt, you know? And hey, I, I really I try like to that. do it day by day. I like that because some of the, you know, if you only watch the Outdoor Channel or some of these other shows and stuff, you, you feel like, oh my gosh, every time you hunt, you're killing turkeys. Like you should you should probably be killing two or three a day and you don't get yeah. that emotion of those, those slow days or the day where he beats you or the day where you maybe heard a couple gobbles and that was it. And you're just trouncing around. Like you kind of miss a lot of that with, with what you see, but with yours, yeah, you, I do I mean, like I, that. It's day by day. Yeah. Well, you and I could say that, but if you actually look at the numbers, you know, if you look at YouTube, it's like the majority of people out there watching all these videos, they don't, it's like, they don't care about that. Yeah, that's you know, true. Like, they want the you know you they they want to watch the videos that have a compilation of twenty five <laughs> heads that are going on. You know. Yeah. I I just I don't understand that. But anyway, uh, I don't mean to. Don't get me started on that. I've seen those, or it's like eighty five turkeys in fifteen minutes. You know, I'm yeah. like, what what is this? Who watches this? Yeah, millions and millions of views. You know. Who gets I don't, I don't know. I mean, we've said it a lot on here with other guests and stuff, but shooting the turkey's head off is not the, not the point. Like it's, that's right. the easy that's, part. It's actually, I don't like to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like uh, who and I've sits even around? got to the point now where I've told people before that I've thought about doing this, but I know it'll cost me just views. You know, I don't think people will watch my videos as much, but if I, I want to, uh, well, at least I would say I, I thought about setting it up to where all my thumbnails don't even show a dead gobbler on them. 
Yeah. You know, but that, like I said, people aren't going to click on them then. I was going to ask you that if you noticed that if you, your picture on YouTube had a picture of like you fanning one out, does it typically garner more views than like one of you of like a cool mountain oh, no view doubt. or really? No doubt. I would mm-hmm. say for sure. I mean, that's my opinion, but I think if you just look at most of the views that some of these videos get, when you see a fanned out turkey, you're going to automatically get clickers, you know, it's like clickbait <laughs> for sure. Hmm. But yeah, be I, I project about to, it up uh, to where I didn't even show any of that. Yeah. Uh, that'd be, that, that's kind of interesting to me. It'd be an interesting project to see, like if you never showed a dead turkey in the background photo, I feel like that would add a mystique to the video. Cause you're like, I don't know if he actually killed it or not. And that's, that's the way I feel anyway, but you know, I'm different. I know most of the, the, turkey hunting public out there like i said they're probably not like that i don't know the more i the more time i spend doing this and making these videos the more i learn i I feel like man i i don't know what's going on these days like people don't care about the calling aspect of it they don't want to become better callers they don't want to become better hunters they just want to go out and kill as fast as they can post a picture on social media and then just be like yeah see look at me look at me yeah I don't I don't understand it. It's completely changed over the years. Like back in the day, people would go to these shows and they wanted to learn as much as they could about the bird and as far as, you know, how to hunt them and all that stuff. But it's it it's not that way anymore. And it's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If yeah. I had my druthers, I would hunt for 17 and a half hours out of a 18 hour daylight period and shoot one thirty minutes before fly up <laughs> you know give me all the time i can get yeah in the woods and i am too tinkering around with them you know i just it's just that's where the joy is it's hanging out and, and you know enjoying the hunt enjoying the scenery enjoying the talk with the turkey the challenge the chess match the game right as it's so often called yeah and that's uh you know like i said i know you guys are are big uh super slam guys and i i like i said before i i think that's an admirable thing to do and it's a heck of a goal to shoot for but at the same time i feel like a lot of these young kids coming up nowadays see that stuff and it's like that's that's the only thing i don't know how to say it but it's like that's they look at it as like that's the only way to become like you're not good you're not a killer yeah Yeah. unless you do that you know and then it's they like that's the it new grand slam. Possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to, you know, the only way to learn is to get out there and be around the birds. And that takes some time. Yes. It takes no some doubt. experience. You know? the greatest, no doubt. I always say the greatest teacher is being around the turkey itself. That's the experience. You know, that's that's where it comes from. Yeah. Cameron and I were on a trip this past spring and and met a guy that is a young young guy and he said yeah you know i started out trying to to thinking i wanted to do the super slam and he said i got about seven or eight states in and i realized that it just created a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and it took the fun out of hunting for me and now i've gone to where i just you know, I hunt other states just to extend my season, not 
to try to complete a super slam. And I'll tell you what, this dude's an absolute murderer of turkeys <laughs> and a unbelievable turkey caller. Yeah, I think he had some Pennsylvania roots too, which is no he, surprise yes. with the turkey calling. Yes. And yeah, the first time I heard him call, Cameron and I just turned around and looked at each other like, did he just do that? Yeah. Because <laughs> we had been calling, like, he was just kind of, you know, I thought he was just kind of tagging along. And then he, like, whipped his call out. And I was like, oh, let's see what he's got. And he called. And Andy, I, like, took mine out and put it back in the pouch. And I was like, well, we know who the caller is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, or at least I hope, and maybe this year was just a, a one-off type of occurrence where, you know, I, I ran into hunters that were saying that, but maybe it's getting to be, you know, a little more common to where people are, you know, saying, yeah, the Super Slam, like you, Chad, you know, Super Slam would be cool to do, but I just want to go in the woods and just have fun. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and, and if yeah, you've got... I mean, there's, there's pros, pros and cons to it, you know, but I just hope that people, you know, even, even some of the guys that have already completed the Slam, you know, most of the guys you talk to that have done it, they'll straight up tell you, I wish I would have taken it more, you know, taken a little slower and, and like really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the thing, man. Turkey hunting ain't meant to be, you're not supposed to put pressure on yourself like that. And that's, I, I know that's hard to do sometimes when you're shooting for a goal, but we're all out there to enjoy ourselves. It ain't all about killing. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's interesting too. I know, I mean, some of the best turkey hunters, I believe, probably in the country, and they they might kill one or two birds a year, maybe. They may not even kill any. One of them I know doesn't kill any, you know, and it's it's interesting because it, that's what I like about turkey hunting. The numbers don't matter just because you killed a bunch. That All that tells right. me is you got you got to hunt a bunch. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's well, it. I mean, you think about it. I mean... Let's say you go out turkey hunting with a gun in your hand and you call a turkey within 40 yards or whatever and you shoot him. I mean, sure, you're going to learn some things about how that turkey approached you or, you know, moves that you made to get in the right position or whatever. But, I mean, if you actually sit down and think about it, what did you – There's no, you didn't really learn a whole lot by shooting that turkey as soon as he showed up. You know, I mean, you can learn so much more about turkeys just – I don't know. That's that's why I say I'm I'm different than a lot of guys. I I'd be the first to tell you, but just being around turkeys without the thought of I have to kill this thing in your head opens up a whole new door to just the experience mm-hmm. of being around turkeys and learning. That's that's where you learn when you are around turkeys without a shotgun or without the thought of killing a turkey. That's where you learn and pick up things that make you a better woodsman or a better hunter in general, yeah. you know, that's the way I look at it anyway. Um, like I said, I'm a little different than most guys. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have different, I am chasing it. I'm going to do it, but everybody's different. Oh, I'd love to do it. Don't get me wrong, Cameron. I'm, oh yeah. I don't mean to, <laughs> you know, I would love to be able to do it and who knows, you know, maybe at some point I would get that bug to do it, but, you know, I'm like I said, I'm in my 40s now, and I know that I only get a certain amount of time off of work, and I could only do so many in a season anyway. So it's yeah. kind of 
tough for me to even think about wanting to do, but it would be a heck of a, a goal to shoot for. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't mean to dissuade anybody from doing that or even. I do. Don't do it. I... Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I've really enjoyed this, Chad. We've been on here for over an hour now, so I've enjoyed chatting with you, and I want to say good luck to you this coming spring, which is quickly coming upon us, at least here in the south. you still got a, a little yeah, piece still you're going to be cranking up, but it will be here sooner than you think, and Lord willing, your finger will be healed up and ready to squeeze the trigger again. Oh, yeah, we'll be good to go. I'm, I'm doing a lot better now. When do you guys actually get started? We are starting in South Texas in late February, actually. We did a hunt raffle on the show. So two of our listeners are going hunting with us. And we're going to hunt Rio's in South Texas in 28 days. Wow. That seems like it's right around the corner. You're not telling me anything. Are you guys going to the convention? Yes. Yes. That's two two weeks after the convention. Yeah. No, we we fly uh, out. What the we fly out the Tuesday the after convention. Yeah. yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, good luck <laughs> it's to gonna you. be. We're pretty excited. <laughs> Us I'll and bet. the two winners. Yeah, I'm um, I'm pretty fired up. This should be a great time. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. But... Good luck to you. If uh, if I make it down there to Nashville, I'll maybe try to come. Yeah, please let us know that shout. you're there. We'd love yeah. to see you. Bring Mills with you. Tell him to come and. Yeah, I tried talking him into going, but he he says maybe one of these years. I think he he'd be more interested in going if he could get qualified. That's the way he's looking okay. at it right now. I think so. For the call-in competition. Maybe one day. Yeah. I've heard him call. I bet he'll get in there. He's uh he's doing a lot better. I'd like to see him like to see him win one of these things and get qualified to be able to go down next year. Heck yeah! yeah. So That'd would be we. Awesome. Yes. Okay. Are you are you yeah, planning to try I'm to call usually, down there? Well, I it's it's up in the air right now. I did I registered, so I'm okay. registered for the contest, but um still not a hundred percent sure that I'm gonna make it. But we'll see how things go here. I'm being off the last three weeks with work. I got a lot of editing done, and I'm I think I'm to the point now where I can kind of take a break from it and maybe work on some calls here and try to get myself prepared in the next few weeks. So I'm gonna try. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully awesome. you're able to make it and we'll see you there. But we sure appreciate you taking your time to talk with us on the podcast, letting our listeners hear from you. And if uh, anybody wants to check out his channel, it's Clay Come Outdoors. And you are still selling DVDs, it looks like, on social media. Yeah, I, I still have a little left of pretty much each video that I've done over the years. I, I don't have a website anymore, but if anybody would just dm me on instagram or facebook i could get them what they want i just i don't have a website anymore that's a long story in itself (laughs) yeah yeah. i had my uh had my identity stolen a few years ago and (laughs) it's just a long story they they ended up dropping my i had some chinese company took my domain name (laughs) so now if you look up clakeemoutdoors.com it takes you to some freaking Chinese gobbling or Chinese gambling website. <laughs> I've been looking for a good new gambling website. So I have to go check that out. 
Are they going to oh, send? Yeah. They should send you your royalty money for that. It it ticked me off so bad, and I'm so hard headed. I said, you know what? The heck with it. I'm not even gonna. They they tried to talk me into buying a different domain name, and I said my my domain has been ClaycomeOutdoors.com for like you know for years and years, and I didn't want to change it, so I just dropped the website. And this is awesome. Like it's I said, a I, Chinese site for betting on soccer. Oh geez, man, that's. Totally. At least that's all I can perceive from the pictures because I can't read any of this. That's totally yeah, my speed. I'm a, I need to put my credit card info in here real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally my speed. Good deal. That's awesome. Yeah, most most of the stuff I'm putting on YouTube nowadays anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good deal. But like I said, you know, there's there's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff on my on my channel other than just turkey hunts too. So if you're if you're into the whole learning how to call and listening to real turkeys that's there's a lot of that on there too and hopefully maybe i'll get a chance to get out and do some more of that and post some more of that stuff too like i said that's uh that's i love to do that yeah anyways i appreciate you guys having me on and yeah down there in texas thank you yeah maybe see you in nashville we'll see you in nashville yeah all right guys have a great night all right see ya goodbye Heck of a nice guy right there, man. No doubt. And for me, it was cool just, even though it was just for maybe two minutes, it was cool to be able to chat with him on stage there and well yeah. after the competition, you know, so that was, that was kind of fun. That was nice because, I mean, we had just had him on. So, guys, we had done this interview actually prior to Nashville, and then there he is on the stage in Nashville. So that was pretty neat. We got to talk to him. And I'll tell you what, he is the grand national champion in my mind of beards up on that stage. He's got a nice beard. He, I mean, he is a long beard, no doubt. He's no Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a cool dude. He has hunted a good bit with our buddy Andrew Mills up there in PA. And anyway, great guy. Enjoyed the talk. We had a really cool segment. After this episode is over, you know, for our Patreon members, we've got a cool segment with with uh, Chad that will be for Patreon only. So if you want to hear that, you'll need to join our Patreon. You can do that through the show notes. Yeah. And that's a he gives a pretty good tip, in my opinion. No doubt. So speaking of the Grand Nationals and Nashville again, man, I realized like two days after I got home. At my new microphone that I use to record a bunch of the interviews and a bunch of seminars with didn't work. Yeah, brutal. So I have probably, I'm going to say 10 to 12 hours of white noise. <laughs> I'm really interested in listening to that. If you're having a hard time sleeping, I can forward those files to you so you can listen to those and sleep through them that'll be for patreon only our 12-hour white noise <laughs> okay that's where you want to put it you're going to be that way about it okay so <laughs> subscribe to patreon you can listen to the 12 hours of white noise from the nwtf convention but where i'm going with this is we told you guys last week that we'd have the matt van Syce interview after he won the grand national championship that was going to be the bonus content that was going to be for patreon well that's one of our white noise interviews yeah and cameron and i are redoing that interview 
this week. So we'll be posting yeah. back up there on Patreon. I don't know. It'll be probably over the weekend if I had to guess. So it'll, it'll be up soon. I don't give up on us. No doubt. No doubt. We're, we're new to it. Just like everyone, you know, we just launched that. We will get better as time goes on. So, well, <laughs> we, we think we will try to get better as time goes on. <laughs> <laughs> we think we think we'll get better, but we are going to put that on Patreon, and then Fan Sites will also be on the Patreon. And we're having our first Zoom hangout on Patreon. We've got that tentatively scheduled for March 11th at 7:30 Central yes, PM. Yes. So that looking forward to that. And then also announcement for our store. You can find that in the show notes. We have some hoodies and T-shirts and hats and cups, underwear and socks. I mean, what else? What else do you need? Notebooks and coffee mugs. But we have there's more calls. Hey, we have turkey calls. We have really good turkey calls that went through extensive testing. I don't know how many different calls I've had in my mouth the past couple months, but my gosh. Yeah. We weren't going to settle, and I think we have a line of turkey calls you guys are going to be proud to own. So I don't know if when this show airs, if all of them will be up yet, but I know the pure turkey batwing that is kind of my favorite call because I'm a batwing guy. That one is up. So you can go check it out. There's a sound file of me calling on there. Don't laugh too hard, but I tried my best. You can kind of hear some turkey in there, hopefully. But it's a great call. I I am very proud of that call. So we're happy to put our name on it. And you guys are probably going to want to get you one of those. I'm going to say this and wish there was a way I could cut the audio off so Cameron couldn't hear it. (laughs) For you guys listening to this if you go onto the shopify store and they'll there will be a link to the store in the show notes so just open up the show notes in your podcast player on your phone and go to the shopify store listen to the sound file of that batwing call and close your eyes not if you're driving (laughs) please we love you guys we want you to be back next week but if you're at work or at home, close your eyes and listen to that call being run. And that thing is 100% turkey. I mean, there are feathers flying when that call's being run. And, you know, it doesn't hurt that Cameron is a very good turkey caller, which helps to make him a very good turkey hunter. But this call in his mouth is just, it's something to, to listen to. So you guys go and enjoy that. And buy some of those calls i'll just go out on a limb and just tell everybody if you buy one of those calls if you're the worst turkey caller in the world you're going to sound just like cameron on it so go buy one or 30 of them yeah that's it that's it i will say for a multi-readed because it's basically like almost two and three quarters reads and it blows very easily. You don't need much air on that call, but I, yeah. I'm telling you, it, it's a great turkey call. I mean, like like we said, extensive. I don't know how many calls I ran before narrowing it down to that one. Yeah. And that's what we wanted to offer. So that That's the call. And yeah. You'll be hearing that in live hunts this spring, and we hope y'all will try it out and send us some pictures of dead turkeys with our turkey calls. We'd love to see that. 
that that'd be cool. So we've got the bat wing, we've got a combo cut, and we have a ghost cut on the site, and they're all outstanding. They're by the time you listen to this, there should be sound files for all three of those. We think you're gonna like them, we really do. So go check those out. Oh yeah, and don't forget to buy some merch while you're there. You may as well look hot in a t-shirt or a hoodie or a hat or a maybe yes man definitely absolutely hey there you go i like the favor of the week right there go check out the store Get you a turn off. yeah so what do you think you want to just wrap this thing up and bring them something else awesome next week that sounds good to me let's wrap it up thank you guys thank you guys so much for tuning in this week we know that you have choices we appreciate you spending your time with us We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.